As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. I'm sitting down today with uh, Jay from Randland TV Podcast slash, are you a YouTube channel now as well? Yeah, we have a bit of a YouTube channel going, as as you know, as our next guest on our YouTube channel for Wheel of Time Jeopardy. <laughs> yes, no, that was a blast, and hopefully it's coming out soon. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun, and I I won't say that it was fun because I completely won, but it is. <laughs> I won't say it wasn't fun because Aradia trounced me, but <laughs> no, it was a blast. It was a bl- and it's always fun to be like in the presence of greatness, like really watching Aradia excel and giving her that opportunity to really show off the <laughs> incredibly quick recall skills that she has over the entire series and shame the rest of us yeah. that was because we don't have nice. a podcast dedicated to giving me all the airtime i need to show off <laughs> <laughs> it was an education for sure it was fun i feel like we need a vengeance episode though yeah. <laughs> i'm so here for it <laughs> well what's amazing is watching the episode before that when all three contestants were struggling to come up with answers to most of the questions. I was yelling at that episode so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then to come and have an episode with the radio where, like, no question goes unanswered and no question goes unanswered. <laughs> and not, not a single question was answered, like, incorrectly. No. And you and Colin did admirably. It was also, I mean, a radio was just all over the buzzer. But we won't give too much away, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, go everyone who's, who's hearing this, it, by the time this episode comes out, that episode should be out. So go, you know, like once you're done with this, go over to YouTube and and watch me. Just it'll be in the links down below. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really fun. I had a ton of fun like getting to talk with other people, you know, because I talked to Seth a lot about it, and it was it was fun to show off to a, a different audience. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it was great having you, and thank you so much for having me. Obviously, I'm a huge 
spoilers fan and it was funny because I you were the first Wheel of Time fans that I met just at spoiler oh, really? <laughs> yeah I'd never met fans that was sort of our uh just nosedive into the fandom <laughs> so. yeah I remember being, being introduced and you're like oh these guys are doing this this Randland TV thing I was like oh great and, and also I love the the Pillow Friends costume right that, yes. was, that was top we notch, comfort right? each other but it's just a face <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, that well, won me over right there. Yeah, I remember too being good. like, wait, other podcasters came to this from what, what state again? Like, it was <laughs> so surprising. But then so New wonderful. York. I mean, it was so delightful to meet you. But it was just like, I, I thought this was just a little get together. Like, why do we have people flying in from what? Well, you did a good job marketing it. I mean, it was very official. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, this sounds awesome. People are meeting up to talk about Wheel of Time in Portland. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Feels like a fake it till you make it. Like, because now we're trying to like fulfill the expectations we set up in our own minds. Like, well, it went so well. How do we make sure that happens again? Because ah. <laughs> we didn't actually mean for it to be. Yeah, that no pressure. I feel like you've just put, you, you got a break, you know, you got a break with uh, the pandemic last year. So now <laughs> it's on. Well, if anything, that kind of set it up another notch because we got so many great guests to come on virtually mm-hmm. during the pandemic that we could never get in person. So now, now we have the pressure of having a great in-person event and having thrown an excellent like remote event with a bunch of guests and now we're like trying to marry those two things together mm. and pull them both off successfully I, yeah <laughs> yeah we're super qualified for this i definitely went to college for multimedia event planning definitely not for geography and geology so i could stay hidden <laughs> in the basement and stay away from people that's not why i went to college let's have two introverts plan a giant party <laughs> do not know how this happened <laughs> in, in fairness there's a lot more than the two of us planning it there is a planning committee that actually knows what they're doing they're amazing by the way <laughs> they, they really really are do you want to dig into chapter 10 no we should ask her to tell us about how she found wheel of time well Give did i forget that question story about yes. finding wheel of time we have to get that from everybody okay so how did i find the wheel of time i was living with my co-host colin uh we were bffs in brooklyn and he gave me the eye of the world and just said i think you'd like this book and honestly i wasn't even that avid of a fantasy reader at that time i think i was in college or right after college and i read it and then i immediately read the next two books and then Colin said, you should stop and take a break. And that didn't happen. And I read the whole series. <laughs> and I, I was just like trying to talk to him about it. He's like, I guess I have to reread it now. And then, of course, I've reread it many times since. But I just fell in love with it immediately in my 20s. <laughs> so how long have you known Colin then? Ooh, I'll age myself. Um, 13 years. That's a good friendship. <laughs> It is good. It was, uh, you know, I was going to school in New York and kind of like the show Friends, there was just a group of people who all moved to New York together and stumble in and out of each other's apartments. And Colin was part of that group that I just randomly met and we became best friends. <laughs> so, and the Wheel of Time helped. <laughs> it does that. It makes friends. I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. When you find another person who's into it, it's like we are now besties. 
That's just a thing that has happened. <laughs> it's kind of great because I used to have the problem of being the one who was always rereading it. Um, and now Colin is that person. So I just get frequent texts that are whatever book he's on. And I know he just finished a reread not that long ago. And today I got a text that said, I'm on book four, dot, dot, dot. It's like, but this is what I'm paying attention to this time. Oh, I, I like, love okay. that. Yeah, I love going through and having one thing to glam onto when you go through mm-hmm. the whole series. There are so many times when I would do a reread and that would be like, because I'd be thinking about one thing I really wanted to focus on. He's trying to focus on like the political mechanisms and kind of the the details that we might blink away, focus on the bigger plot line. So just like the those little things, which is interesting. I discovered a new thing in this chapter, you know, just rereading it today. So <laughs> that was fun. I did not understand what the wise ones were doing. Oh. Chapter 10, Unseen Eyes. Uh, the symbol is the twisted stone terongreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the... the what's it called mobius yes strip. mobius strip i'm like fauci not yeah. what like mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly i've been looking at the wrong news today mobius strip that's the word <laughs> but yeah that's that's the symbol because this is a dream heavy chapter dream is all about the dreams <clears throat> the dream yeah. world the dream walking the dreams the uh, dream walkers um we'll say dream a lot in this episode yes. very dreamy <laughs> <laughs> i i skipped all the way down to like the next page for the paragraph that makes more sense as a read <laughs> Right, like, right, rah, okay. Because <laughs> the beginning of this is just Selim. She's get back from her walk where she has, we talked about it was the walk and talk where she like met up with everybody and had all these conversations and then gets and was in danger from Halima who just freed Mogedian. Mm-hmm. And here's yeah. Selima sort of wandering about the same thing, being like, you shouldn't have gone out alone. It's dangerous. And Egwene's dismissing her, which. But there's a, a paragraph here that kind of sets that stage if we want for, this is on, this is like the third paragraph of the, chapter because that's where it makes sense (laughs) Egwene let the foolish words wash over her in the same way she let the woman undress her paying less than half a mind ordering her to be quiet would only produce so many hurt looks and abused sighs that it made little difference except for the brainless chatter Salem performed her duties diligently if with so many flourishes they became a dance of grand gestures and obsequious curtsies it seemed impossible that anyone could be as silly as Salem always concerned with appearances always worrying over what people would think. To her, people were Aes Sedai and the nobility and their upper servants. By her book, no one else mattered. Perhaps no one else thought by her book. It probably was impossible. Egwene was not about to forget who had found Salem in the first place, any more than she did who had found Mary. True, Chesa was a gift from Shiriam, but Chesa had shown her loyalties to Egwene more than once. And I just like that because it sets out her entire maid situation very like (laughs) yes that's the entire there's your nutshell that's it for now for now (laughs) for a very brief period of time before two of those maids are dead due to (laughs) halima really takes out the entire like labor force Egwene has under her right she takes away mogedian and then she takes away mary and salam it's so frustrating to watch with that knowledge as a reader (laughs) it's just like Egwene, be suspicious yeah (laughs) Good help is hard to keep alive, you know? Clearly. <laughs> clearly. Well, clearly Egwene doesn't appreciate them very much. Even no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really terrible. Although, you know, I wonder... <sighs> this is, again, I she's had the headaches already, so maybe she's being compelled to not like them? That's totally a stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think so. Though I do always wonder why Halima let Chesa stay. 
I assume because she was appointed by the Dark Friend. Yeah. So the orders would have been, leave that mole alone. Even if she looks like she's loyal to Egwene, just above your pay grade. Don't. I disagree. I think, you know, Halima's just lazy and she's like, I can't do all the work. You know, someone's got to dress her, bring her food. <laughs> Someone's got to actually do the work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's actually really like legit. That. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's probably a little of both. Yeah, I compel somebody to be doing all this work. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that she says, it seems impossible anyone could be as silly as uh, Salim, always concerned with appearances. And then later on in the chapter, when she's so concerned with what she's wearing, it's like a whole, like, paragraphs and paragraphs about being concerned with what she's dressed in. Oh, that's <laughs> How we love to see yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love to, I'm like, ooh, yeah, there's Jordan's hypocrisy right there. Yeah. Egwene's very off her game in this one. Yeah, she is, for sure. She's learning. She's new. New environment, new place, new situation. And Hazard's coming faster than she can deal with the last one, so it's fair for her to be not in tip-top shape at this point. Yeah, and for her to take a little bit of it out on her maids, I suppose. That's what maids are for. (laughs) Emotional punching bags. Please abuse the help. Don't abuse the help. Well, and I like that her other no. maid's named Mary, and she's the most like sour, like like oh, she's just not Mary at all. <laughs> and I wonder if I wonder if these two names are like Celine, like very like solemn and Mary, or like he was like mm. one of them solemn and one was Mary, sort of like a maybe where he came up with the names. That's that's the best I can come up with because <laughs> like these are some of the most pointless characters. They're here, they do nothing, and they die. Why? Just to make. Halima to give, to give someone Halima to kill, or just to make Egwene seem less likable because yeah. she's always like nitpicking at them. Jordan felt that the name Salad was getting a little thin and predictable. Oh so. yeah, just throw a few, just throw another S name in there, just on the pile. It's exact same name as a nice and I, by the way. Celine. Celine. No, Celine, right? Well, no, there's Celine, but Selene. that's Lanfear. There's mm-hmm. Celine, the servant. Salame Necarine. What? Literally the same name? Uh, yep. Uh, I said I had the green odd jaw. Raised to Amarillo seat in the year FY 18, uh, 1084. Is it honestly a little believable, though? Because, I mean, we have dupes of names in our world, and maybe that is a textural element. It'd be like someone named George, right? Like, And then <laughs> and knowing, like, well, there's a King George. Gosh, yeah. Jordan, how dare you reuse that name, you know? God, you're always dating Salames and other Salames. <laughs> um... I actually thought that maybe he was illustrating these how Egwene interacts with these um, maids, like as a contrast to Elida, who not that she necessarily treats them better, but uh, Egwene feels like they're superfluous, you know, and she's not used to being taken care of. Whereas Elida is very demanding. Take care of me. I have high expectations of you. Like I'm not going to do that myself, you know put on my glove type attitude Mm -hmm. no that's a good point there's a line from loyal a couple books back where he says like you can tell like the nature of a people by how they treat their servants and like it shows up in the architecture of various palaces so maybe Mm -hmm. this is jordan's way of being like this is how Egwene treats the lesser people under her not just her like eyes to die subordinates but like actual lesser people and like yeah showcasing it against elida and being like just in case you were confused about which Omerlin is better. Yeah. One needs creature comforts and the other sits on a hard wooden stool all day. <laughs> and, like <laughs> falls over. So, Ikea stool. 
Well, and, and Egwene's so uncomfortable with being taken care of. I think that's, maybe that's sort of the nitpickiness here. It's mm-hmm. like, not necessarily that they're doing a bad job, but she's like, leave me alone. Stop. Like, yeah. I feel this is how I would feel if someone was trying to undress me. of like, get your hands away from me. Like, what the hell? You know? And, and I feel like Chesa does a better job of, like, letting Egwene, like, dress herself. Right. I th- I think it's interesting throughout the books, you know, you get moments i think with most of the characters where they're adjusting to new positions and and stations in life and part of that is just the basics of getting dressed you know so it's fair that they're showing it for Gwen becoming amarlin too bathing in ewe's milk just gotta point out that line because it's fucking hilarious maybe she really was an idiot (laughs) i really i think that's jordan being like yeah sometimes people are just dumb yeah beauty fads this is someone who would buy goop okay Um, like (laughs) no i'm i'm with her i've i was like that sounds moisturizing they probably have very limited resources (laughs) i know i i've used snail mucus as a mask milk doesn't sound that crazy (laughs) But I don't. (laughs) (laughs) It is ridiculous to be suggesting that to an army on the march, though. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm making light of beauty trends, but I'm with you (laughs) and Egwene on that one. Yeah, you like that's all my only response to use milk is you like (laughs) you need so much (laughs) yeah i'm like this is disrespectful to like the entire concept of milking animals (laughs) is it cold because i don't want to take a cold bath no but i don't want hot use milk either (laughs) like (laughs) what (laughs) what what? (laughs) then then it's just you can drink it while you're in it. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound. This what? sounds disgusting. No. <laughs> uh, let me just yeah. let me just scrub under my pits before I uh, go for a drink. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not salty I, enough. Mm, yeah, there we go. That's better. Yeah, no. I almost wish Aviendo was just like sitting cross-legged in the corner while that offer was made, just to see her reaction of like bathe and use. Before retiring, she padded to the entrance and opened a small gap in the door flaps. Outside was moonlit stillness and silence. After a moment, something moved in the shadows beside a tent across the way. It looked like a woman. And then she just dismisses it and says, maybe it's else. That's gotta be Halima, right? I don't think it's Salem or Mary. And I doubt that it's Arena and Nicola. It could be. But Halima makes, like, infinitely more sense, given the events of the night. That she's right? been creeping around in the darkness, freeing... Mogedian. Hell, it yeah. could be Mogedian, but probably not, because no, Mogedian we know went yeah. right through the gateway. Mogedian's at Shale Ghoul at this point, getting mind-trapped. Uh, ooh, yeah, fun little parallel going on there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's gotta be Helena being like, okay, I've done this, this, and this on my to-do list, I should go check on Egwene and see how that's going. Man, you know, I always think of the mind-trap of Mogedian as being very far time-removed from Rand, from Dumai's Wells, but if our timing's right, they happen the same night. So, like, Dumai's Wells happens in the morning and Mogedian gets mind-trapped by that evening. So the Dark One has a chance to know how Dumai's Wells went and... That perhaps the freeing of Mogedian was triggered by Dumai's Wells. Why else would she free her then? He's known about her. They've known about her for a long time. Yeah, how long did anyone know that she was there? Well, that's a good question. We don't, we don't know how they know. That's true. Right. We could assume maybe the Halima shows up knowing that Mogedian's a prisoner there. Which means that that would have been ever since she was there, but which would... There's enough black odd job that somebody would have spotted Mogedian. 
Well, who would know who she mm, is? I don't know if they... Yeah. No one knows what she looks like. And she has a fake face on. But she's been missing. Some of the Forsaken have commented on it. I'm sure the Dark One is looking, you know, expected her to check in and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't I'm not exactly sure. That's, that's an unexplained mystery. How do they find out that she's being held prisoner? And, you know, you, I always just kind of went, Dark Friends? Like, they've got spies everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. but and it does make sense that Dumai's Wells would have triggered her getting free because there's nothing that says that she was just discovered by the dark that day, mm-hmm. which means that they picked their time and Dumai's Wells seems like a reasonable trigger. That makes sense. And I feel like even if Dark Friends or Black Aja didn't recognize her, she would be seeking a way out, maybe. I mean, I don't know if she would want to reveal herself, but she might have been trying like to. Like some little <laughs> secret hand sign kind of thing. <laughs> I, I just I can't imagine that Mogedian wasn't aware of some of the Black Aja sisters in yeah. the camp and couldn't have made herself known to them. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Like all, and then and then have them report back in. You know, only, the only thing, she, the only reason she might not have is just because she was vulnerable. Yeah, I I thought about that too. I was like, she wouldn't want to admit that she's so humiliated, and she doesn't want the Dark One to know what she's been doing because training his enemies is like the top thing he doesn't want them to be doing. It's always always interesting to me. You think the Dark One would have actually benefited from not bringing the Forsaken forward in time because, like, their knowledge is what gives so many of our characters a leg up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that assumes that the Dark One actually wants to destroy the world, right? Assuming the Dark One's not the creator. Exactly. Like, what is the actual motivation driving? Here's, here's the theory. The creator created reality around him, creating his own prison in the Dark One. And the only way he can ever escape his own creation is to destroy it. Checks out. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why you have to drill into the hole. It's the, anyway, that's the hole. It's it's a it's a wacky theory, but I I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. There's nothing it's sort of like, broken about it. So. No, I mean, yeah. if, if you make the dark one and the creator the same thing, which is not unreasonable because of the all caps way they speak. Right, mm-hmm. it's all caps in the beginning in Eye of the World, and we think that's the creator, and then all caps with the Dark One all the time. So if they're the same, well, no one would have imprisoned the Dark One, so he had to imprison himself. Well, why would he do that? Well, create the world. Well, where do you create it? Around you. Yeah, one is the singularity, and then one is the universe. Right. Yeah. As one does. And, you know, there's all sorts of time weird weirdness that goes on with the creator. So that, that makes a total sense, right? It's a good explanation. <laughs> now, wait, now I'm talking myself into it. <laughs> well, and then Egwene puts herself into your background. Yes, so she joins the Starry Sky Scape. Starry Sky Scape? Scape? Star? Scape. Starscape, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the sound right in my whatever. head. Yeah. And yeah, so she's looking through all the various dreams, and we get a lot of information about the dream world here. Yeah, there's that expositionary world building. Do you remember how the dream world works? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. we do. Again, this is coming out after a while, and people may not have read a book in a while. It's for some they're being jumped into dream world, so it's like, how do dreams work? How do you identify them? They're little glowing balls. She knows how to scare Nicola. She, mm-hmm. uh, I do, I do. My favorite part of this, and we can talk about it all, but is the idea that she knows how to hook someone out of their dream. And bring them into a custom-created Telerun Riyadh dream. Mm-hmm. Because that tells us exactly how Shamael was doing it to Rand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
all that speculation and I, all the eye of the world isms about like this feels like Teleranian God, but it's not, and it's like this weird controlled space, but somehow Belzaman seems to be in control. And how did he get Rand in there? Did Rand dream himself in? This is what happened. Belzaman was able to identify the um, the three boys' dreams because they're Taviran. Taviran, and mm-hmm. once he was able to do that, he was hooking them into a version of his own dream to try and get information out of. So anyway, it's just it's it's such a simple little throwaway line that that like really explains so much of the eye of the worldisms that people I think get confused about that like half the time these dreams are just well it's they're in Ashame's control in the dream world and he can do whatever he wants with it. Did did Ashaf I can't say his name right now Ashamael bring the rats into those dreams too and kill them all and then totally. put them back like, was so like how rude. did he kill all those rats? They were all asleep and then they woke up in a nightmare. And then they were dead. He's like, I need you. I don't want to fabricate these. I'm too lazy. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was making a point, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can kill you for real, real. Yeah. Yeah. This this works into the world. I think is uh, frustrating about this passage or this section is that she's like, yeah, I can scare them. And I don't care if it's completely illegal and immoral. I'm just like, have you learned nothing? I had a bullet point note on this whole chapter that was just said consent police. (laughs) (laughs) Brings up a lot of questions the more you learn about the mechanics of the dream world. Do what you must and then pay the price for it. Like, ooh, ooh, that's not the greatest philosophy when it comes to consent. No. 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 yeah but yeah so she she does not understand her problematic behavior yet at all not yet on some point the ends justify the means because the world is ending and i need to somehow fix this you know yeah yeah we get a lot of great imagery in this part too like spending more time and i love this word carapace like he talks about dream shields and oh, describes yeah. them as a crystal carapace. So just some of the descriptions, like light spangled sea and an endless array of lights and like a, a soap bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of the fun shimmering world building. Yeah, yeah, you get a bit sci-fi. Totally, yeah. and, and a bit a bit abstract mm-hmm. as well. Like this is very much like he is describing a vision that is not something you can see in your everyday world and. But he's got it in his head, and it's very descriptive and very, yeah. very vivid in my head. You can tell that he sees it completely, right? I like the description of yeah, it's almost like being on mushrooms because the the whole <laughs> disembodied element of it, like she's seeing but not with eyes, you know, um, is interesting. No, I like that our backgrounds are selected to represent this chapter, but they both kind of look like psychedelic trips. Like there's there's definitely an aspect of just going to sleep and tripping in the real world like and i i I have to imagine jordan was exposed to acid in his time something something in the 70s yeah the date is the dates are right the dates are right (laughs) the beard is right uh his general like open-mindedness towards experiences is correct yeah yeah so it's hard not to say like is is this jordan writing about a trip yeah it's a trippy space for sure Mm -hmm. and the way things move in response to your thoughts is like yeah, don't think about some things because they will become real. <laughs> it's that that rule applies. And the being able to control your thoughts in the world of dreams and like almost like lucid dreaming, right? Like yeah. there's there's, mm-hmm. there's the connection there between lucid dreaming and having sort of a drug trip. Yeah, and you can find <laughs> things you didn't know were there. If you need to, if you really need to. Oh man. Well, with the legalization of all drugs here in Oregon. 
Or decriminalization of all drugs. Here <laughs> I was like, all drugs are legal now no, in Oregon. we just wow. decriminalized a whole bunch of possession. That's all we really mm. did. Well, let me just say, you can't throw me in jail for all this weed! Oh, wait. All this cocaine. We, of course not the weed. The weed's All this, um, what's a good drug? Cocaine? Yes, cocaine. Yeah. yeah all, that big sack of crystal meth that's right behind you? Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> Actually? What? <laughs> Oh, funny, you should mention crystal meth radio. We do have a big bag of white powder sitting in the kitchen uh, because Travis bought a 50 pound bag of flour because he's making bagels for like on an industrial scale. So we have, (laughs) so like, we like a big bag. I could like go bag, grab the big brown bag of like white powder and be like, (laughs) 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 so I had a moment of almost like, if this, if this is more of a video podcast, I would, but uh. cocaine bagels. Yum. We don't have them in my state, so you can send me some. <laughs> same, same. That's the problem is we're like, there's no good freaking place to get decent bagels around here. So we started, we started making them, and everyone who's tried them is like, I want more, and he's like, Well, I'll make you some. So then that's kind of happening now. That's awesome. No, Brandon made uh, bagels a few weeks ago, and never had such a good bagel in my life. So like, I've had so many eh, bagels, and then this was just like, it cost you how much and how little time? <laughs> Why are we not doing this more? <laughs> it's, I mean, he's rising them from dough and everything. So it's, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a yeasty bread. So it takes some time. But, but if you're into baking, yeah. it's like bagels aren't any more complicated than other breads. And in some ways they're easier. Yeah. Point <laughs> is bagels are the best. Bagels are good. When, when I visit, I'm coming by to grab some bagels <laughs> for sure. I drove like 40 minutes to pick up some gluten-free bread the other day. And it was awesome. And it was worth it. <laughs> They had everything sourdough, which was my bagel substitute. Sourdough makes everything better. <laughs> I'm working back on the sourdough starter again for, so we can do the mm. sourdough bagels. So I'm, I'm like coming back around on that. And I tried to make bread with it the other day, and it just it wasn't ready. Like It definitely came out just a pancake. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but, th- but then I fed it again, and today it's kicked off, and it is just – it is definitely st- – still kicking off so i need to give it give it a little another couple days before i uh, try again and then hopefully we can make and i'll probably i was thinking i might just add some commercial yeast as well because you can get the culture and do a starter and let that sit for a little while and then give it get a give it a little bit of extra rise with that industrial (laughs) strength yeast add a little terangrial (laughs) to your baking (laughs) will help do i embrace the yeast through the angriol Next thing I have is uh, the strong implication that Egwene walked in on Nynaeve having sexy dreams one time. Yes. <laughs> that happened. Definitely. Awkward. And definitely with Lan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who who else would have been in Nynaeve's dreams? Like, literally nobody. Perrin, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, no. Uno. Oh, my God. <laughs> The only other person would be Val and Luca, and then she'd be really mad at herself about it. Mm, I, oh. yeah, yeah, it could be Val and Luca, yeah. Just because he's pretty yeah. and he gave her flowers, and she's, like, mad at him, so he's on her mind. There was some serious flirting going on between the two of them. She, she enjoyed the attention. Yeah, she did. Yeah, and she was mad at Lan. She was like, yeah. you're not here, so. No, I definitely <laughs> think she would have had a fling with Luca if she had been unattached. Agreed. Mm-hmm. If she didn't have Lan's ring hanging around her neck. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think yeah. she would have blown off some steam with Luca if she'd had... Nobody that would have helped everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little out of her character, but they could just write her character to be less of a prude from square one, and then it would be fine. 
Okay, and then the next thing I have is all caps. Just saying. There's actual someone else who speaks in all caps. Oh, yes, obviously. <laughs> yes. But that's just indicate shouting that she's not very good at the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how it also runs like a telegraph, like a telegram. It's got, it's got that very, like, stream of consciousness, stop. Stream of consciousness, stop. <laughs> I got that feel to it. And it's just like, Egwene, you're literally, you sound like it's the 1820s and someone just laid a sub-Atlantic cable. <laughs> it it is like that and she she leaves like probably the most important thing for last too like so abrupt. <laughs> here's some news also by the way there's a serial killer out for you okay bye <laughs> yeah exactly no stay safe <laughs> and when she talks to amis i imagine it's like someone like your grandmother shouting in all caps on when texting you and she's like hi hon love you all you know and then like and you're like Hi, dear. Yes, I can hear you. Don't worry. You, yeah. you don't have to type in all caps. We're, we'll, I'll, I'll be right there. You know, like, that. that's exactly... Uh, uh, Egwene is new at using this technology, and so she's making all the awkward, like, social mistakes that you make when you are you don't know how to use a social media app. And it, it was good for Egwene to get a bit of her own back, because she was getting an odd satisfaction with delivering that message to Nynaeve and just speculating about how Nynaeve probably is paranoid or self-conscious about her dreams being seen, and... You know, she she had a laugh at Nynaeve possibly being uh, alarmed <laughs> by her sh- shouting. <laughs> and then so, and Nynaeve wakes right up, right? She pops out of the dream, or at least, yeah. And then Elaine doesn't. Yeah. Probably because Elaine's less terrified of Egwene showing up in her dreams. Probably because Elaine needs beauty sleep. She's like, I'm not getting up. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that will keep until tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or perhaps Elaine was having also sexy dreams and them being interrupted was like, that interrupts the sexy dreams and converts you back to, like, normal dreams. Mm. That was my other, like, yeah. I mean, that is kind of Egwene's motif, total cock block. Definitely. I think Egwene just cock blocked Elaine. (laughs) We can headcanon that. That works. (laughs) In her dreams. Uh, Elaine accidentally slips into a dream about Tom. (laughs) Whoa! No! (laughs) God. Oops. <laughs> Another interesting relationship there that I we explored it a little bit when it came up, but it's so Ooh. unrealistic and has zero help to the plot. It needs to yep. just go. It's it's best left alone. Go the way sure. of Moraine's staff into the past, <laughs> and then keep Moraine's staff because the staff's awesome. Oh yeah, uh, I think we just settled on let's not have Elaine flirt with Tom, and then uh, Nynaeve was alarmed, or no, no, just Nynaeve got the message. <laughs> And then Egwene runs away from Gawain's dreams because, uh... Yeah, Egwene, I got the sense that Egwene was just really horny. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, at this stage of life, it's also a way to deal with stress, but she really can't even go near those Gawain dreams. Oh. Well, and what has she been thinking about? All, like, she's in the dream, mm-hmm. she's thinking about how Nynaeve's having sexy dreams. Mm-hmm. Why is yeah. she thinking about that? She's maybe Elaine. Yeah, yeah, maybe Elaine. Yeah. It's like, no, you, you're the one. You're the one. Yeah, you're the thirst trap here, girl. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so she steps into Elrond with a very low-cut dress. With considerably more bosom exposed. And her waist is smaller. And She even made it smaller. (laughs) Gallantrit can't had unfortunate effects on her. Yes, yes, he does. Deadly, fatal effects, one might say. Yeah, unfortunate. I mean, if, if Jordan was trying to showcase, like, a bad teenage relationship like romeo and juliet is really just a story about two teenagers that have a bad miscommunication and six people die 
Yeah. <laughs> or a three-day fling and yeah. six people die also, or something Also, something, like that. something. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. way too young. Right. Juliet makes a lot more sense when you realize that she's like 13. And it's like, eh, that, yeah, the overly dramatic attitude. I see it. She is young. I, I feel like it's it's annoying because no one points it out to her, but she's that girlfriend that's dating the guy who's a jerk. <laughs> and like, no one really likes him. But in this case, everyone just likes him. So... Oh, he's very charismatic jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's also, like, he's kind of, like, was a high school football star and is still kind of coasting on that, you know? Like, he's gra- he's graduated. He's not really a football star anymore, but, like, he still, like, watches all the old plays. He's still, you know, he's got the old moves. He was the charming, sexy older brother who just peaked really young and then started to get some bad ideas because he didn't know what to do. <laughs> But now he's turned yeah. to, like, bullying, and, like, he's hanging out outside the old school, smoking, talking to teenage <laughs> girls, being like, hey, you know, Just I get older, jealous. and they say the same age, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going. Do you think- Avoid his dreams at all costs. <laughs> I did want to ask, though, do you think that he actually, like, uglifies himself in the dreams? Or do you think that that's just Egwene being another hypocrite and being like, well, he yeah, makes me everyone- more beautiful? And I think he does. Yeah, we all we all see our, ourselves as uglier than we I- are. But he has so much arrogance. <laughs> but he also okay. has self-loathing in his insecurity oh, and okay. jealousy yeah, no, issues. True. Yeah. True. So, yeah, like, Galad would show up just as he is because, like, he doesn't have all those issues. No, yeah, no, that that's fair. Fair. Yeah, I, I can see Galad showing up exactly the way he does. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah. and then be like, "You can change your appearance." And he'd be like, "Why would I do that? It's not true to myself." I would not avoid those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did Berlin. I had a mechanics question about sure. the dream world. So there's there's a portion where Egwene describes the difference between like you know women's shield dream shields and men's dream shields. Can a dreamwalker deliver the type of messages she's giving to Amise and Nynaeve and Elaine if there is a shield up? It's just interesting because there's a balance between the convenience of this type of communication and it being the end of the world and you'd think they would shield their dreams. (laughs) So I'm just, that was something that struck me in this one that there's a lot of vulnerable people in that way. Yeah. Just the the dreamwalkers can't shield the dreams most of them are channelers that's true some of them could but Nynaeve and and Elaine could um but they but they know they I I guess there's the balance because now Mogadian's loose are you still gonna walk around with your dreams that's that's an interesting point I'm surprised that they hadn't learned the weaves to shield the dreams like all other Aes Sedai are supposed to be taught to do and that they weren't doing that as a standard practice yeah like most of the time but they do know Egwene needs to contact them mm, so are they like complete don't they like have to compare notes because they're like they weren't expecting this yeah they weren't expecting this this is like a new skill for her yeah which is why she's shouting right. in yeah having no grammar <laughs> so oh i feel like that's a plot hole yeah it just struck me that they were leaving themselves vulnerable yeah like, and i feel like with the wise ones there's not a concern because they're gonna know how to use the dream well enough to just kick that's someone's true. ass but the Supergirls leaving this vulnerability when they know that the spider is out there seems a little... Mm. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess they think she's captured until that point, but it, I don't think it changes 
too much after this. I, no, they I never totally shield their dreams. Yeah, they never shield That's their dreams. That's never a, yeah. a routine that they bring on. That's and it's dumb. literally the first thing, one of the first things Moraine actually talks about ever. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And warders get the, the benefits of that similarly because it's very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and we even see here where she's like all the Aes Sedai like when she's talking about Aes Sedai shielding their dreams they all do yeah. it right like an Aes Sedai shield was a crystal like yeah a crystal carapace seamless sphere woven of spirit and then the men's are like muddy water is it I think it, is it carapace or carapace oh you could say either I would say carapace but I also would carapace. say pepperoncini and apparently that's wrong <laughs> pepperoncinis I've that's... never heard someone say it like that until Seth blew up <laughs> i, I really like seen. italian subs and that's the key ingredient to i know lots of people are banana peppers like eating them yeah. and i've never heard pepperoncini in my life they they cured my friend's smoking habit <laughs> she would just eat jars of them <laughs> yeah well maybe <laughs> it's a lot of vinegar um, i mean it, as long as she was able to like stop eating a lot of them as long as she could you know wasn't then hooked on pepperoncinis for the rest of her life you know that's <laughs> Oh, I do three jars a day. You know? yeah. like, <laughs> it's such a bad habit. I spend like half my paycheck on pepperoncinis. <laughs> you should see my stomach. It's all <laughs> it's a bunch like... of ulcers. and ugh. Yeah. We'll yeah. just make custom PSAs for her. Like, if you gave up pepperoncinis, you could go to Disney ten <laughs> times a year for what you spent. <laughs> This is your uh, bowels. These are your bowels on pepperoncini. <laughs> Throw some sausage in a pan. Actually, that's her other addiction. Sausages. <laughs> 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 Combining it into like a super addiction. So now I'm thinking sausage stuffed pepperoncinis. Like like jalapeno poppers. Mm. I mean, honestly, in a pan together, that wouldn't be. No, it wouldn't be too I'd bad. Throw that on a bun. Yeah, yeah, I'm into no, it. Let's do it. Yeah, all right, <laughs> we're gonna call the recording here. We need yeah, to go break, break for food. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no food in the dream world that'll make you full anyway. <laughs> so, why do you think the wise ones always want to meet in the heart of the stone? I'm gonna ask that. I have no mm-hmm. idea. I wondered if it was something to do with the fact that it was sort of the first thing in the prophecy. Even even though Calander's not part of it, or Colander, but um, I don't know. Because that was sort of where their journey with the Karakarn sort of began, is the Heart of the Stone, was the only thing I could think. Yeah, that's where contact is made between the Aeol and the rest of the cast, so mm-hmm. it's important. It, the, the, the Stone Tier does seem to be a bit of a universal meeting place. Like, the number of times that people, like step out from behind the columns and like i just heard everything that happened mm-hmm. right like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, this is basically like the most public of public forums yes maybe it's because Bilal the net weaver set up shop there for like three and a half minutes and so now it's the center of the net <laughs> i don't buy that at maybe. all yeah <laughs> something to do with colander and the big battles and the aiel rand connect something about that makes it like people can't not think about it or something Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like Rand's stronghold because he's marked it as his own and there's some power in marking it as his own. Maybe. I do think it makes sense that they actually wouldn't pick a place in the Waste um, given the times because they, you know, unlike the Aes Sedai who start all their dream world journeys 
physically where they are, like they're going on a normal journey. I don't think they'd want, they, they've seen Forsaken walking the dream world or, you know, other people, it's been busier. So maybe they wouldn't want to reveal where they, they are themselves. That, that was like one rationale. They wouldn't want to appear like in the city that they're actually in. But I, and, or lead people to the waste to like a protective measure, maybe. You know, that's fair because everyone knows the stone. Everyone's already spying on the stone. You're not mm-hmm. adding new risk by maintaining the stone as being spot. Frosted Angel in the Sky says it's the Randland version of meeting at the top of the Empire State Building. It's like the most, <laughs> like the biggest, you know, the stone is the oldest, biggest icon for anyone else out there. And if you meet at the heart of it, that seems, and yet it's also. The stone is the one place that almost nobody has ever gone into, except for a couple of lords. You know, yeah. so in, in a lot of ways, the heart, of the, the, stone, the, heart yeah. of the stone is one of the mm-hmm. most private places in the real world. It is extremely cordoned off. That's a good point, and it's hard to go. It's hard to go places you haven't seen before. It's not impossible, but it's challenging. So yeah. And people, well, I mean, we do see people accidentally dream themselves there for like a second, but you're right, Seth, like most people haven't been inside, so they wouldn't end up there. Yeah, maybe it's just to avoid random dreamers, because random dreamers can't mm-hmm. randomly dream right. themselves inside if they haven't seen it. We just don't think of it as a private place, because it's like the room in the stone we see more than any other room <laughs> as readers. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and any idea who the Unseen Eyes are? I mean, we talk about them in Teller all the time. I think they're the heroes of the horn. And other various inhabitants of Teleron Riyadh. I would agree with that for sure. Just yeah. like the constant presence that's got to be the heroes and other creatures who spend time in Teleron Riyadh. It's not always nefarious. I do wonder if there's someone nefarious watching this one just because. It's entirely possible someone's behind the columns. I mean, that's how Rand discovered where Saladar, Saladar was. He was just hiding mm-hmm. behind the columns and watched that whole meeting between. Yeah, you know, Suan. Suan did the whole 3D thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Three-dimensional mapping. Yet another reason why I love Swan is she thinks up GIS on the fly, like a month into her career as a dreamer. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Um, I said I arrogance. I said I arrogance. I said I arrogance. <laughs> There's some interesting thing where McGettian says, no one can see me, and, like, I cast a light that only I can see. 
It's an interesting little thing. So she can light up the, the world around her, but no one else can see her. She looks like she's still in shadows. Oh. It's like a selective light. Mm-hmm. Light, cool. be- light bending. Yeah. Yeah. We see a Terran woman dream herself in, dressed as a high lady. I think it is a high lady, because she would be the only people who have actually been inside the stone, as we were just talking about. Yeah. Egwene's just feeling, like, particularly elitist tonight, so yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, questioning yeah. if she's another silly woman. <laughs> I, I love her, her gown that becomes plate mail, and she's even got, like, the yes. flame of Tarval, and, like, as a crest. It's like, well, even when you're terrified, you still think of yourself as Omerlin, so that's right. good. <laughs> I like the little uh, tidbit that when she changes into the Aiel garb, like the Algoda blouse, that she doesn't add layers of jewelry because she understands that the collection is built over time and is personal, and she would get laughed at. But I like that as just, like actually thinking through the psychology of wardrobe you know so it also has a lot to do with avienda and the snowflake necklace and the bracelet Mm -hmm. that she was and how possessive she is of those that's the beginning of her collection as a wise one yeah for sure and i mean like i do not like accumulating jewelry without a good story behind it like i've never been able to just like go look at some random jewelry like oh yeah i want that no it has to be like so much story so yeah i really dig the ideal like every single piece they know exactly where it came from who gave it to them why everyone's got and yeah Egwene does have two pieces to start with so why would she fake it she's she's a little off kilter (laughs) she yeah she should have worn that the other thing i i noticed in this is that she puts on a fringe shawl so green it was nearly black she puts on a green fringe shawl she's green because she's green yeah well, she's always thought of herself as green, because Gawain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's it's just, it's nice, right? She's the Omerlin, but she was raised from the green, or would have been. Mm-hmm. She hasn't grown into the shawl yet, um, or into the stole, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, or the shawl. I mean, there's all kinds of garments she's growing into right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then she crawls into the sky, like a rabbit. Yeah, she, she gets startled <laughs> and hops. Yeah. It's very uh, cartoonish. I imagine, like, the Roadrunner. Or... Yeah, it's straight out of a comic book physical humor. It's so funny. <laughs> and then Malayne, like, dies. And that's even funnier. Oh, my God. The little bunny hub. I, we're all in on the IEL humor on this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not hard to understand. Yeah. The, the easiest to understand IEL humor is the physical stuff, right? Like, that they love watching someone fall flat on their face. Like, that's just <laughs> <laughs> the most satisfying thing in the world. Especially, especially someone who's been showing off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, you take yourself down off that high horse. You don't need my help. You can do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. And she recovers really well in a way that, you know, only I yield with respect. I'm nervous because I made one of the 13 devils of hell mad, okay? <laughs> I have a right. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, popcorn. Let's go. <laughs> how did you shame her exactly? Yeah. Yeah. How does one shame one of the supreme evils? We're so interested. <laughs> I put her in a collar. I made her do chores. And the Aiel are like, really? That's it? I love that there's this little dance going on in this chapter because we we see Egwene start to, you know, stumbling, making, you know, new mistakes and not being as confident as she always is. But then when it comes down to, like, the brass tacks important stuff, she's so purpose-driven that you you can't ruffle her in that regard. She just snaps back to, like, this is my mission. I know who I am, actually. Even if I hop like a bunny and get distracted by my boyfriend and... (laughs) She is the Amarillo seat, and she proves that to Masana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, at this point, she's just starting to prove it to herself. Yeah. 
But yeah, pretty soon she'll be breaking people's brains with the sheer strength of her convictions. (laughs) (laughs) She's starting to believe. This chapter actually includes a lot of showing that she is starting to believe in herself as Amarlin. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like this conversation with them where they're just like, oh, we see your problems like right away. It's just you get so much perspective of what Egwene is actually feeling because these are women she doesn't have to impress. These are women she wants to impress. She doesn't have to overawe them. She wants them to be proud of her. And they do respect her like that comes through. And so that's really nice. There's a certain amount of seeing into her um, subconscious through dress as well. That, like, even when she changes dress, she's always, something is representing her as the Amberlin. No matter what she's wearing, she's always the Amberlin. You know, and that's, that's where we're seeing that, like, she's believing it herself, even in her subconscious. She never has to actively think about herself as Amberlin. Yeah, she has to, like, make the stole go away and allow it to come back. Exactly. And that, that is what I think is one of the most emblematic things of Egwene, is that she's able to jump into the situation and, in a week, become Amarlin. <laughs> you know, like, she yeah. is so, she's, you know, taken on that role wholeheartedly, both feet in, just jumps into whatever situation she's in and, and embraces it and becomes, she became Aiel and now she's becoming Amarlin. She, even when she was sold on, she was freaking the best. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> So good that they like brought a ship just to put her back on, uh, you know, Shanchan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is partly a plot, but yeah, she had a real skill that justified that—the Earth thing, like talent with Earth. Like, of course you have a rare talent nobody else has. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> so she tells the wise ones that she's the Amarlin, and they go, "Oh, so you're a puppet then, are you?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, "You're how old? And you got made clan chief? Okay, we can see where this is going." Yeah. That's a puppet. <laughs> Um, and and Egwene comes back with the I am going to actually be their chief. I will make them acknowledge me. And I feel like they believe her. Like I I think Egwene's relieved that they see to the heart of the issue right away and calling that out. But they don't doubt her capability. Right. No, they've seen what she can do. They yeah. they doubt the uh malleability of her subordinates but <laughs> right they don't think that her subordinates deserve her right exactly <laughs> yeah. they're like don't waste yourself on them <laughs> yeah that's that's gonna be a lot of work to hurt a lot of children for not a lot of reward <laughs> like oh really okay if you want to do that go right ahead we've got way better subordinates for you back over here <laughs> yeah although i'm with bear i would rather Gwen marry an aiel man than gowan <laughs> so, i mean everybody would god she would I'll have had anyone. such a better more productive life if she had just taken sorely advice and settled down to be more a wise productive. one yeah anyone who's not shido yes well that's true Soralia would not have set her up with a shido i'm trusting Soralia on this i'm not trusting Egwene's judgment i'm trusting Soralia's judgment mm-hmm. always yeah. all right always a good call yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so then there's the question of will you bring the eyes to die to the karakarn and Egwene mm. being well that's just super inappropriate just like Two steps forward, one step back, Egwene. <laughs> this is, I think, one of the beginning places where you see her loyalty to Rand and her loyalty to the tower start to split her in two. Mm-hmm. That really, this is the first place where all of a sudden, like, she's been loyal to Rand, she's been hanging out with him, she's been with the, the, the Aiel who are sworn to Rand, and then she goes back to the White Tower and all of a sudden, like, oh yeah, so when are you going to bring him on over? And she's like, whoa, 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 that's not what I'm here for. I'm, I'm part of the White Tower now. You know, and then all of a sudden you have, like, this is that, that fracturing of the break that leads to the wise ones, I think, kind of saying, we're not with you at the last battle in that confrontation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole breaking of the seals thing, and the Yale are like, 
no, no bad we're call. actually on his side yeah yeah it is interesting i mean this is the moment where th- now that she is amberlin they have different agendas and so a uh, gwen comes to them you know and she realizes their toe her toe is erased and she could be honest with them but it's the opposite for the aiel the wise women they're like we have to as seth said earlier omit truth sometimes <laughs> so yeah and they li- start lying to her immediately yeah. They ask her, are you going to bring him in? And she's like, well, and they're like, okay, well, we're not telling you the truth from now on. Yeah. She's really eyes to die. Yeah. <laughs> she shows up at this meeting and hasn't seen them this whole time and is like, hey, so update on my status. And they're like, okay, so you're not our student anymore. We now have to treat you like a full eyes to die. Oh, now you're the chief of the eyes to die. Oh, we have to treat you all different. You're not a Gwen Alvier apprentice at all anymore. And she wishes she yeah. could be, but they are far too clear-eyed to let her get away with that. Not compare those women to us. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> Egwene, how insulting can you be? <laughs> One thing I thought was interesting, Karakarn aside, I feel like the Aiel are sort of against centralized leaders. You know, like, there's a, there's a lot of committee stuff, you know, yeah. with the wise men and the clan chiefs, and they call her, like, a female chief among the wetlanders. And I feel like there's just some scoffing about the the hierarchy of the the white tower that this like plays into versus how they make decisions together as the aiel a centralized dick measuring contest versus a distributed meritocracy hmm, I wonder yeah which one's exactly <laughs> <laughs> it would be like the wise ones basing their decisions based on who has more bracelets right, right. <laughs> like a woman accumulates bracelets as she does like mm-hmm. you can't just go to the store and buy a bunch that'd be ridiculous so same with leadership you can't just grab it Unless you're a wise one's yeah. apprentice who's been instructed to do that, but that's different. <laughs> or you're going to Mardi Gras and you need a bunch of bead bracelets. Then you can go to the store and buy them. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, that's down in Abu Dhar. I think that's the Festival of Birds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, 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 right. Or right. if yeah. you're Savannah, you could just raid every trunk you come across because then you don't have to wear a shirt. <laughs> that, that's actually a really good point that, you know, it's a comment on Savannah and the fact that she's oh, just stealing yeah. these bracelets and putting them on and putting on 10 rings and just throwing. And she's not collecting Jack. No. It's a conquest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just thieving and dressing herself up with no respect for the actual story of any of Pillaging. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that tells her story very accurately. Mm-hmm. Very. So what do you think? Without men, no woman would have gray hairs. Do you agree or disagree <sighs> with that statement? I, I don't. I, I, I don't love the attitudes towards men by a lot of the women in the books. Also, there's women that definitely give me gray hairs. Right? So, like, people just... give me gray hairs. <laughs> Nynaeve would give anyone gray, hair, except for herself. Like... Frustrating to to her. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best way to approach these statements: is replace men or women with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and sometimes I think people give me gray hairs before my time. Without people. No people would have gray hairs. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Just puppies and kittens, please. <laughs> and that's what, like, Egwene's doing here. It's like, everyone else is wrong about how to manipulate Rand, except me. I'm right. And it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she didn't spare herself. And I was like, good job. You're right. You are trying to, only I'm right. Mm-hmm. And then you immediately, under, you, like, almost got so close. And then you just So whipped. close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does say something about, you know, how much we are always ultimately convinced that we're right when we make decisions. Like, fundamentally, you do what you think is right, not what anyone else thinks is right, what you think is right. And as Omerlin, obviously, she has to have confidence in that. But it's also like, 
it's with Rand and the fate of the world. Could you please be a little less arrogant? I'm trying to think of one thing she does to actually help him. Right. We, we're lacking a any amount of like kinship with Rand, which I think is why people are kind of cold on Egwene sometimes. But she also hasn't learned any diplomacy as Aramelin yet. You know, I, I'm an Aries and I feel like Egwene is probably a fire sign because she just goes at it like straight head on with like the truth instead of she could manipulate them a little bit, you know, or, or be like, oh, I am on Rand's side. Like, we have to help each other. No, she's like, here's my point of view. Oh, that's not your agenda? Cool. But yeah, she's not looking out for Rand in the way Nynaeve is. She's just endgame. Yeah, I can't think of anything she does other than, like, help keep some of Rand's allies a little more organized and keep the White Tower from falling apart. Like, that's of benefit to Rand, but it's not for Rand. That Rand wasn't the motivation there. Yeah. Again, lacking diplomacy, because she could have, like, foster that connection with Rand. Yeah. And, yeah. and and she's like, oh, well, I can't go to him, so I guess I can't do anything. And it's like, that... that... Also, Egwene does what she wants. She could go to him very easily. Right. Make a gateway go. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's... I mean, I'm... One of my empathies with, with Egwene is the absolutism. Like, if I cannot have the entire cake, I want no food at all. Like... Right. Mm-hmm. That's a mood I can relate with. <laughs> she won't start a project unless she knows she can do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I was going to say. It's like the food analogy actually isn't very appropriate to me, but the project analogy. Yeah, that's how I am too. <laughs> it's difficult way to live. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really good ideas if I could just ever commit to one of them. Yeah. One of the things I will give one of my, my college roommates credit for is we did a lot of projects together, and I would want to just make it perfect. And he'd be like, no perfect, done! And he'd swap me, <laughs> <laughs> like, take it away from me. <laughs> and he just eventually he drilled that into my head, and like, it, it doesn't always work, but sometimes, you know, when I'm fussing over starting something or, like, procrastinating on something, I get, like, Matt in my head being like, <laughs> like get to work. That's a good friend. I mean, I have to have a mantra that's like, don't think, just do it, you know? And it, it, yeah, sometimes on projects it helps. Sometimes on big things it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. Because <laughs> you know yeah. you're lying to yourself, because you, but uh, it doesn't always work. But I mean, I think Egwene's absolutism is definitely like a, a character trait, but she also just, you know, she doesn't have the time to grow. Like, she's yeah. flawed. Yeah. She's a flawed person, like we are. She's a teenager, like Rand. <laughs> I think about my first job and like things I got called out for and I was like, oh my God, I like the self-revelations like, oh, I can't act that way or like I maybe I should try managing it this way, you know, but she's pretty young. So she's she does a good job. She's effective. But yeah, she doesn't always make friends or go about things in a nice way. (laughs) She's not here to make friends. She's here to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's even mean to Gowan. (laughs) And unfortunately, it doesn't have the desired effect. <laughs> no. Mm. So the next section I have a little trouble trying to figure out how to break it down. Because it's, she tries to joke about Rand, and they're like, no, Rand is serious business. Because they know he's been kidnapped and missing for 16 days. And so they are trying not to let Egwene know that because of her change in status. Right, because she represents yeah. the eyes to die now. And so they're being very serious, and she's like, why are you guys so serious? And then she starts spouting off about Rand and suggesting all these things and the wise ones are just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're just sitting yeah. there like eyes closed try or mouth closed trying not to reveal 
anything that she can, you know, any threads she can pull on that will let her know that Rand's been missing for 16 yeah, days. major poker face is happening in this scene. I'm like, you believe what you believe. <laughs> I mean, I know it's multi-layered, but what do you think is going through their heads when they're withholding this information? Like, what bad things do they think could come of it or unwanted results? This is before the battle or after the battle? Based on timing, I think the, this is the day of the battle. So, oh, I think it's right after. I think it's right. So it's right after, right? So I think the, the yeah. battle happened that day, and this is the night of. So they know which Aes Sedai are the ones that kidnapped him versus the ones that didn't kidnap him. Yeah. And they know yeah. who she's aligned with. Mm-hmm. But they are still sorting out what to do with the Aes Sedai prisoners and the Aes Sedai not quite prisoners. They're still very much in transit on that. So I think they're not letting her know because Rand literally hasn't decided what he's doing with her embassy yet. And they, I think, want a stake in control of the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It does solidify them closer to him as useful, <laughs> given all the people who've betrayed him. And yeah. And, and Egwene wonders about the relationship between the different wise ones, and it's like, they just fought a battle today. <laughs> yeah, they maybe had, like, yeah. friends or family, like, die or nearly die. Like, they're probably exhausted. <laughs> yeah. They wore so little expression, she was sure they were snickering inside. And it's like, that is not what they are feeling right now. No, no. They're trying to figure out, like, exactly how many places the shrapnel would fly if Egwene figured out what was happening with her embassy brand and the light is... Mm-hmm. Do not spill those beans. Kneel and swear or you will be knelt. Like, that's kind of where her, that's what's going on with her eyes and eye right now. Yeah, and the wise ones are like, yeah, let's not tell the leader that they're people, yeah. Mm. And I think that she's not, a f- I think that Amis, when she promises to Egwene to not mention this, I don't think her face is flat because she's offended. No, not at all. At all. She's like, oh, her face is flat with relief that she doesn't have to come up with something more complicated. She could just promise to not bring something up to Rand that he would never ask about and that will not come up given the shit he's dealing with over the next few days. Like They're behaving like I said I, you know, with all the withholding. Managing I think the tables are turning. Yeah, like Egwene's being open with them. It's four on one and they have way more experience, any one of them, than she does. So I like we'll see there's no difficulty between him and any I said I. Yeah, because they all swore <laughs> to him today. Yeah, we we will They knelt and swore. We will make yeah. sure that that <laughs> continues to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There so was don't... difficulty, but we're not gonna mention it. Just a little bit. Yeah. I guarantee Marina will do have no problem getting along with Rand, not causing yeah. any trouble. Like she, <laughs> yeah. That's exact uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and she's like, why don't why don't I report and what's going on? And it's like, maybe oh, she, she forgot to pack the birds. Yeah, she just <laughs> forgot. <laughs> oh my god, a great diplomat <laughs> went on a big mission and forgot how to write. Forgot her birds. How forgot how to communicate? Yeah, okay. This is yeah. as bad as like a, a dog ate my homework. <laughs> yeah. Terrible lies. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, Egwene's like, all right, I am surrounded by idiots. Use milk, eat and pack the birds. Right? Like, what's next? Like, <laughs> Totally. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, she's like, oh, what an idiot. What do you think the thing is with Ami's flicking into cotton sore and making a maiden hand talk gesture? Because I thought I knew, and as we've been going through this, I'm revising what I thought I knew. I thought it had to do with the leadership struggle between Cerulea and Amis, between whether to fight the otherwise ones versus 
not fight in the battle. I don't think so. I think it's because Egwene says, I knew I'd have the unvarnished truth from you, Amis. I can't tell you how glad I am to hear it. I think it's shame. Well, because at first, I always thought it was the little, like, like you have honor, like, thing that we see with Avienda. But the way we've been going through this chapter, I'm just like, yeah, it's got to be that she's a little ashamed that Egwene just said, you're so honest, and it's so good we can talk to each other. And it's like, right. she just cringed oh, she's been... a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. just for a and she's been lying by omission for this entire conversation. I mean, she describes her also earlier as, like, motherly, and, yeah, like, the tables have turned, and Egwene is being really open. So I feel like when she says that, it's just shame, and she, like, retreats into, like, younger <laughs> form, you know? She yeah, can... it's just that little, like, I have toe. It's a good thing that no yeah. one ever taught Egwene hand talk because then she would have known the I have toe symbol and then she would have been like, it's a really honestly bad control on Amis's part. Amis must be very upset to let that flicker out. I mean, a lot of things are not normal. <laughs> There's been a lot of traumatic events, I would say, that everyone's... Her husband did just come out of a meat grinder in one piece, so a little distracted. She did just break tradition and law to attack other wise ones. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. <laughs> it was a day. <laughs> yeah, it was a day. She could use some used milk, put her, put her feet up. Seriously. <laughs> and Egwene totally misunderstands it, too. Yeah. She's like... Something, something not knowing anything that's happening makes you confused. And she's sort of snickering to herself about how Rand's going to be mad that she completely circumvented Matt's mission, which is just like... These are your childhood friends. Stop being such an asshole to them. But also, Ren, like, forgot. <laughs> oh, it was <laughs> a day. Really <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole week. Yeah, he's got other stuff going on. He's not worried about it. <laughs> he doesn't learn that this, that party got split up until Elaine is, like, claiming the lion throne. And that's when it's like, where's Matt? And she's like, Matt who? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, we lost him ages ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what country he's in, huh? <laughs> Uh, Mulane almost gives away the goat. She says she grumbled that uh, Rand should finish the Shido and Savannah now. And that, so that has to be a post Dumai's Wells comment because now they're on the run. And so yeah. she's like, whereas, whereas Lane interprets that as like, go hunt them down in whatever northern, like that doesn't make any sense. But she's commenting on a post Dumai's Wells, hunt them down before they get away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then she, and she lets right. that slip. And that's why both Bear and Amis frown at her because they're like, why did you, don't, we're not talking about that, you know? that That's a clue. If, she, if Egwene had pulled that thread, she could have unraveled quite a bit. Yeah. But fortunately, she was so caught up in the fact that they saw her shame as a weak leader that she doesn't think to pull on that thread. She's just glad that, not glad that they missed her shame, but like she's focused on herself, right? Yeah. And then she thinks about forging a link between the Wise Ones and the White Tower someday, maybe, possibly. And my heart breaks for how she doesn't get to do that properly. <sighs> she... Student exchange program. Exactly. It's so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they'll keep it up. I think that like, I that too. plan will go through in the fourth age. But it's, it's neat that she's already thinking of it like on the back burner here. She has so many good ideas. And that Cad Swain will, will not continue, but <laughs> this one she'd better have because she respects Soralia. So well, that that one, but yeah, I just feel like Egwene was a visionary. You know, she would have been the Steve Jobs of the White Tower. <laughs> she had a lifespan. This isn't and this is, a, this is an eye bond. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was convinced recently that Cad Swain would be much more progressive than people. She's like, oh, she's an old stick in the mud, and I'm like, well, she kind of isn't. Like, she learned from. The, the wilder where she, that she got her paralysis net from 
Hmm. You know, she's done a lot of things against Tower Tradition, and she thinks the Tower is kind of dumb. So, like, she is kind of a stick in the mud, but I could, I bet she is going to carry on a big chunk of Egwene's legacy and even push it further. Yeah. Because, like, Agreed. what's the worst they're going to do to her? Kill her? She's already, like, nearly and dead. And she sees like, what's practical because she doesn't listen to anyone but herself. So she's going to be like, oh, yeah, no, that makes the Tower stronger. We're doing it. <laughs> She could. I just don't know how collaborative she is. Like, Egwene was good at listening to other people sure. and picking up on things and then applying that. So in terms of, like, generating new ideas, or not that she'd be a stuck in the mud, but she is very hierarchical. So I don't know. But she'd be okay. But she's not going to be Egwene. No. no, well, nobody, <laughs> nobody is. That's, that's why the tragedy of her death is so tragic. Yeah. But yeah, the, the lack of, you know, her leadership that we expected that was going to carry forward the White Tower into the New Age, you took that away. Yeah. I, luckily, I have some unpublished fan fiction all about the student exchange program that I someday <laughs> will complete and publish. Nice. <laughs> nice. So she warns them that Mogedian might know more than they do. Maybe, possibly. And they hear the warning without pride. They're like, no, that checks out. <laughs> and then we see later that they do hold their own against forsaken in the dream but it's a near thing right like this warning is very merited and we do get a comment about men dreamwalkers although i do think there's that might be just the men in the flesh yeah using the power to come there in the flesh i don't think it's like they're not like native dreamwalkers well moradin is a thing now yeah yeah could be a reference to Moradin, the new Moradin in a new body. Just because it's very much an Ashamayo Moradin thing to do is to actually use the dream sometimes. But yeah, I could totally see other male Forsaken using the power to get there and yeah, looking like dreamwalkers from the Wise Ones' glimpses. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Esam ever goes into the dream. He does! That's... Yeah, no, he does. So he's got oh, yeah, to be... Yeah. He's probably one of the ones, too, that they're seeing. I think so. And... I mean, Perrin's always fumbling around. They've yeah. probably seen him. And actually, you Luke know. and Esau, that's two people for the price of one that they could have seen. <laughs> yeah, and Morden, this is the book where they, you know, Morden rescues, is, encounters Rand in... Um, oh, right, yeah. Shadow of Lugeth. course, the Crossing so of the So Morden is around. Yeah, yeah this is the Crossing mm-hmm. of the Streams. So Morden is around, um, you know, assuming he was resurrected either at the same time or slightly after Arangar and Osengar, being as he died quite a bit after they did. Yeah, we don't really get the mechanics on that because, like... <laughs> They're dead for a long time before they come back. Moradin, not so much. But, I mean, does death really have a time? Time seems to be the only thing, you know, time messing with Balefire does prevent you from being resurrected, so yes. But, yeah, it's, uh, I, th- I don't think there's a lot to gain from that other than the dream world's getting crowded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of traffic. Like, <laughs> it's like L.A. post-pandemic. All of a sudden, <laughs> there's a lot of traffic. Where does this mm. come from? <laughs> Stay home. I am. <laughs> it's another sort of ironic statement where she's like, the whole world seems to be changing every time I blink. You three are the few firm spots in it. And this is like after they've like cha- upended their everything. whole tradition, everything, everything's different now. And they're like, uh, we might not be the same tomorrow. Don't depend and on Like us. their relationship changed over the course of this meeting. And it's like, yeah, yeah. your North Star is actually a satellite. So. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> there's just this like nice like parting like wave and then she leaves because the wise ones are like yeah we we should all go to sleep and stop talking about awkward things that'd be good yeah and we're exhausted right (laughs) and then she spends a second thinking about banging gawain and then she goes into dream space (laughs) and thinks about gawain she she almost like jumps into the world of dreams to like actually go bang gawain Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, she thinks about it real hard. I mean, I, I obviously don't want Gowan, but if I was a dreamwalker, I would probably take advantage oh, yeah. of the, oh, <laughs> like, all, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have more fun than Egwene is having. Quite, right? It's, I'd be doing so much more with that dream. <laughs> yeah. I'd have my own dream shard club, bring all my friends, oh. <laughs> like, just like, you know, give them a spa day, like, you know. Why, why not grab Nynaeve and Elaine and just, like, chill and chat and, like, hang out? And why, like, risk worrying about meeting in Teleron Riyadh if you can create your own little pocket universe? Yeah, you could, like... I guess because they're totally under your control, so, like, they don't have free will. Mm. Yeah. But you could go tanning in Tanchico, like, every night. I think it's only if you exercise that control. I mean, it's untested because we really just see it with Dark Friends and Shadows or Forsaken, but... Yeah. Yeah. But- yeah, you really could create any, like, paradise you wanted to and just hang out. Yeah, there to say overnight. nothing yeah. of, like, risk-free sex. We've discussed pregnancy and dreams so many times. Like, talk about birth control. Just go do it in a dream. <laughs> I was wondering because I was like, oh, you can get injured in, tel- in the dream world. So Can you get pregnant if, in the dream world? Yeah. Does that stuff apply? I don't know. Like, probably not. It's an endlessly fascinating discussion. <laughs> does the sex count? <laughs> it's like... You can be poisoned, which means, you know, once it's inside of you, that physical, like, it damages you. So how different is a sperm from a psychoactive compound? Well, because what I'm thinking is, like, the psychoactive compound hurts you while you're in the dream, and once you leave, it's not in your system anymore, but the damage is still there. Yeah. So you could basically have, like, a phantom pregnancy. You have, like, the worst freaking PMS ever. (laughs) Like, I'm literally dying. I hung out until around for a while, let the pregnancy develop for a while, and then left, and it just, like, would vanish. God, that would be, like, the worst postpartum depression. <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, you could give people some serious mind fuckery with that. Uh, that spinoff where Egwene has to awkwardly tell Gowan that she's pregnant with his baby, but he doesn't know how. And she's like, remember that dream you had? <laughs> Turns well, out. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it's actually how souls are made. Dream sex. Dream sex. And then, like, oh my God, dream yes. pregnancies result in new souls that are created. They have to come from somewhere. And if the wheel turns enough times, right, eventually all souls are created that way. That's how the heroes of the horn are reborn, actually. <laughs> like, they're just, like, they're just surrogates, and then <laughs> that's how that works. Every, every time uh, we get a new hero of the horn, you have to have, like, a dream It's just pregnancy. a dream walker getting yeah. pregnant in the dream totally. world. Yeah. That's what happened with Noel. It's Noel. <laughs> Noel is actually the son of um, Gawain and, and Egwene, though, from yeah. the dream sex. Yeah. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I hate it. Okay, what is relevant in these dreams, and what? Well, there's foreshadowing of the future with Gawain and Egwene in the two paths. I, th- I think she's pretty accurate when she says the ones about. <laughs> Kissing Gawain and running in a spring with her sisters, those and nightmares where Aes Sedai are chasing her switches. You know, I think those are actual <laughs> just dreams. Yeah. You know? She she identifies them pretty well. There is the one, there's the Gawain walking across the floor of broken glass, you know, just basically crawling across wounds and emotional things to get to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Becoming a damaged person in the process. Yeah. Uh, seems accurate. Yep. The fork in the path that we know marrying her leads to a violent death and not marrying her leads to a long yeah. life and a calm death in bed but in the in the read she doesn't know which is which Correct. right she yeah. knows those two things are both in doubt but she doesn't know the combinations and we know that it's the more tragic option 
It's like because you're like, oh, love will win out. They'll love each other and they'll live a long, happy life. And it's like, mm, no. Nope. I like that she doesn't know, and she knows she doesn't know. She doesn't like assume. She's just like, oh no, there's serious doubt. Like he might die or he might marry me, and those things are not paired in a good way necessarily. I wonder if that plays into. I never thought about it this way, but into her treatment of him when he does go to her, you know, uh, and you know his journey to becoming her warder. Like, she's not extremely compassionate during that time, and I had always chalked it up to, like, where she is in her transition, coming to Amerlin, and, like, you know, he's kind of a mess also, and, like, not properly respecting her. But I wonder if this uh, dream played into it of her not knowing, so her not trying to follow her heart's desire and just seeing how things play out. You know, because she makes it really tough for him, and he still ends up by her side. So it's kind of like... It was his decision, not hers, you know, whereas if she had just let him in. Because she knows she would be choosing the path. Right. So she didn't want to choose the path that she put him down because she wasn't aware which one was dangerous. And she wanted him to choose his own path. And she does that by being hard to get. Yeah. It starts out good and then degrades. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that makes sense. Because later on, she says she knows that she's going to marry him. And so it makes sense that she, because she doesn't know if that leads to his death or not, she really doesn't want to, like, push <laughs> and, like, pull him in, right, and, like, force a situation to happen by telling people. Yeah. And and this dream really does seem to indicate that he turns towards her. Yes. So whatever choice, you know, he has a choice, yeah. but this dream also indicates that that choice is going to be marrying her. Yeah. 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 He's going to see her, and that will dictate all of his other choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about this wall of... I said I seal the sealed discs that she's trying to tear down. I think it's the White Tower and the traditions of the White Tower. Mm, I like the traditions of the White Tower, the laws and the rules that are keeping her from like that are keeping the White Tower shitty. Yeah, the three O's, the law that she can't put herself into danger, the you know just everything about the Aes Sedai that makes them so insular and gatekeepy to her power. That's what I've mm-hmm. always figured. And there's also a little bit about like she's gonna fight Rand on the issue of the seals. Yeah. Each each seal is one of the Aes uh, I from the tower, and that's why some of them are broken now, because those are the ones who are corrupted by... Those are the Dark Friend. Oh, That's the Black Aja. Yeah. So each seal represents a single Aes Sedai trying to tear down the tradition. Yeah, and it's, it's crumbling, right? The White Tower is mm-hmm. rotten at its core, and it's falling apart for lack of material strength. Even though it shouldn't be because it's the White Tower. It's Quendiar. It cannot be broken. It's too big to fail. It's failing. I think some of that, too, is they've they've been so rigid that they've become brittle. Totally. And so that's why she has to be such a progressive leader. Same thing with Rand. Coming Quendiar. It's not a good idea. Yeah, no. Ugh. What is the difference between strength and hardness? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They are not synonyms. I have to be so hard. It does weird that... And we've got uh, Matt and his fireworks figuring out guns. Matt making guns. He's watching an Illuminator's display of fire. So that's Eludra. Eludra has to be in the mm-hmm. vision. And then arrows of fire flash from his clenched fist. I mean, is that not a description of a gun? Yeah, it also reminds yeah. me of High Lord Salmon's sigil and a couple of other Ashaman sigils. A fist with lightning is a very like male channeler mm. symbol. I think the first time I read this, I was like, but Matt's not a channeler. Why... Why fist lightning? That's a male channeler thing. But gunpowder's kind of the great equalizer. A non-channeler can fire a gun just as well as a channeler. Shadow and Bone, uh, I watched, came out. I did too. Yeah. And there's <laughs> yeah. a line in there where they say, like, 
you know, it used to be we were worth a thousand men, and then they had guns, and now we're worth a hundred men, and then they had can you know this thing, and now we're worth ten men, and you know what? When is how soon before we're not worth any more as as magic users? We're not worth any more than a man mm-hmm. with a complicated machine. Yeah, yeah, one of the most interesting conundrums in fantasy. This means that the next age is steampunk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which is fine. <laughs> This, then we get her on the headsman's block with an axe coming down, and if somewhere someone was running, if they ran fast enough, the axe would stop. Who is that person running? I mean, because I assume this is her death at the end of the series, right? Yeah. It, it could be her death, or it could be Gowan saving her um, from the Shanchan oh, yeah? blood swords. Mm, that's a good point. Oh, I like that. I like that. Because there's so many things that she gets saved from at the last minute. Like, this could work <laughs> yeah, for several true. things. It always reminds mm-hmm. me of her trying to get to Gawain when Gawain is dying. But she's the one running, not the one dying in that. So, yeah, maybe one of the 17 different times she gets saved in the tower right before the end. Gawain saving her from the blood knives seems to really fit the bill to me. I th- I just because I can't single out someone who would save her in that last moment. Because no one... No, so that's going to happen to her. <laughs> she's going to be the flame of Tar Valider, you know. Right, right. But it makes sense that the whole, like, she's strapped to the block because she's in the dream, right? She's, like, fully catatonic yeah. and unable to respond, no matter the physical stimuli around her. And Blade's trying to get her. Yeah, Blade's descending. I mean, there's literally, I think, doesn't he literally, like, stop a blade with his sword? Like, that's Yeah, yeah that's, like, the like... first moment. And he, and he literally runs back to her, right? Like his foot gets cut off or the, his shoe gets cut off by <laughs> his one foot. His one foot. <laughs> but like he literally runs in. We lose a lot of hands, but not very many feet. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. He's just hopping yeah. to save Elaine. Yeah. But I mean, it's very much him running into the room at the last possible second. So. Yeah, that fits. Loghain taking over for... The, the as head of the Black Tower yep. after Rand dies, but it's not actually Rand, right? That's why it, mm-hmm. his face breaks apart like a paper yeah. puppet because he's no longer in that puppet. He's in a different puppet. Mm-hmm. But Loghain sees himself as stepping into Rand's role that he made yes. and left. Mm-hmm. So, like, that is very much how Loghain views the situation regardless of Rand's transmigration. Gotcha. Yeah. Not that she knows that, but it works. Well, and she touches his face and that's when it breaks apart. It's not Loghain breaking apart his face, you know. And then the last one, I do not understand at all. Nope, me neither. Mm. A golden hawk stretched out its wing and touched her, and she and the hawk were tied together somehow. All she knew was that the hawk was female. A, a genian? That's the maybe? only thing I can think. Yeah. I don't... A genian, yeah. Aginan? But the thing yeah. is, we never... Her symbol is a hawk. Oh, it is? Yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember. I assumed it was something anchory. <laughs> no, no, it's... Okay, yeah. then it is a genian. And because... She could have saved her with the water bond. Igyanan is, like, they bond together. This is one of those things I think Jordan had a lot more plans for this, and Sanderson included it, but I, it was sort of a last minute, like, after Gawain's dead. He threw it in there, and then it didn't mean anything, really. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen a little more Igyanan, Egwene, uh, yeah. sort of, uh, honestly, like, right, Gawain, the whole relationship with Gawain just needs to go. And Egiana needs to be her warder. She needs to actually be in a situation where Egiana saves her life. Mm-hmm. And she has to come to a realization that even though she hates the Sean Chan, she needs one to be her warder. Yeah. I wanted that so bad. Yeah. 
I love that. And I, I think the show has to give us more because I think a lot of people wanted more of that payoff from that relationship, more time. Especially with the way that Egyanan is coming around to seeing channelers. Like the parallels between her and Egwene getting over their deep-seated fears mm-hmm. and like Egyanan being another female warder and getting to experience all of that. And like it's there's just so much we could have there. And she's not yeah. a minor character. No. Egyanan is written to be a pretty major premier's bail. Domon. <laughs> Right, right. You yeah. know, there's so much interesting stuff there, and then she's just not used in the final battle. It's like, Domon had one of the seals. He has the first seal we see in the damn books. Like, him being part of the Omerlin's inner circle makes so much sense, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. <laughs> and also, how great is it to have, like, if you have the Amerlin seat and her warder and her warder's husband back there, and Vale Domon's like, hey, Dra- hey, hey, Rand, what's up? And Rand's like, <laughs> like just that like blast from the past how did you go from a sea captain to standing right, behind the <laughs> right? exactly uh, uh, he's got a great story i love bail domon they both have great arcs yeah you yeah. know yeah and so like give them a little more screen space at the end make that bond a little more prominent yeah mm-hmm. as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So a man lies dying on a bed, and it's important he not die outside of funeral pyres being built. Is the Rand Morden something? That's Rand, yeah. Something, yeah. You know, the dark young man holds an object in his hand that shines so brightly she can't see what it is. Is he who pulls it out shall follow after Deshiva with Kalendor. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. Really? He's a dark young man that holds an object that shines too bright to look at. It does happen? I was thinking Rand cleansing the source. He's not a dark young man. I, the darkness could just be shadows. Because the light's so bright that it's that, like, contrast thing that you're so bright holding the... I don't know. He's ginger. I just don't know. <laughs> Is Colindor in the cleansing battle? Yes. So that would work. It could be the cleansing. But it's him. It's what's-his-face, Deshiva, battling in the cleansing. Not Deshiva. Deshiva's the Forsaken. Narishma. Er- Fucking names. Yeah. That's why I was like, Shiva. That's why not Shiva. Yeah, like, that's good yeah. one. That's getting confused too. The good guy. Okay. okay. <laughs> he who pulls it out shall follow after is a longer name, but it gets to the point. Nourishma with the bells on yes. his hair. Okay. Yes. Okay. That makes that, sense. That's what I meant was because, and it, that's a big important part of that battle for Rand. That's very relevant 
to how Kalandor fits into the end game is being part of that battle. Gosh, if Egwene was smart, she would have consulted with Min because I feel like dreaming and yes. <laughs> reading the omens have such like overlap. Colors of ribbons and... and stuff. Like, can we talk? <laughs> yeah. Make some references. What if some of the symbology, symbolism? Either way. So, so, yeah. From uh, the visions, like, would help her, or some of the symbols that uh, Min sees would help her interpret the dream. That makes so much sense. <sighs> Right. Oh, you see a golden hawk around this person. That means the golden hawk in my dream might be that person. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gwen's like so, she's so clever, and then at other times just is not the most analytical. <laughs> so it's interesting. But she's also stubborn, so I feel like she she's in, determined to learn to interpret the dreams like all on her own. She never like tries to get guidance or suss out. It's like very much her own mission battle. Yeah. Well, she's got that one Aes Sedai who wants to help her, but then gets murdered. Right. Anaya. But, yeah. Anaya, thank you. But Anaya probably couldn't really help her interpret. Honestly, Maybe. you know who really would have been of help? Shan Chan. Yeah. The Shan Chan High Court and all of their omens. Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought of Min. Yeah, I... <laughs> totally. Another reason to have Egyanin in there. Yeah. Right? Have yes! Like, the basic as... omens. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she could help her interpret with the dreams. Mm-hmm. I always figured, too, that like the way that Egwene rejects Egyanin and then dies at the end, the dreams we get that hint at her coming the whole time indicate that she could have actually saved Egwene if Egwene had chosen to fully trust her, which she never does. And, th- and that's the worst tragedy, worse than Gawain, even, <laughs> is that she gets in the way of her own savior. Is there at any point that uh, Egyanin's running to save her? Because that would... That might refer to that previous prophecy where Aegean's trying to run fast enough and doesn't she make it. She releases the bond and shoves Aegean through a gateway too quickly for her to get back yeah. through. But I agree. Aegean probably flings herself through that space and just misses because she's dedicated. Water bond or no water bond. Aegean is like when she decides who she's loyal to, she's there. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. And it's just Aegean can't, can't let go of her trauma enough to save herself. Not relatable at all. She just doesn't have enough time. No. <laughs> I don't think I, anyone in this book would have enough time to work through the amount of traumas that it's they experience like fair. every day. So fair. <laughs> or the amount of information. You know, these, yeah. this is a, she gets so on and on they came. She sort of feverishly, desperately tried to understand. There's so much information coming in. And like, it's just trying to record it, sort through it, cross reference it. That would take, that alone is the work of centuries. Yeah. yeah. There's notes in Korean and deals. There's like a note in Korean and deals notes, right? About how it's like, it can drive you almost insane trying to keep up. Mm-hmm. Like, And I mean, Egwene yeah. arguably kind of goes insane and then just is really functional about it. But it seems to be just the, the dismissing of it. It's like, I can't base my future actions on these vague prophecies that I can't interpret. Like, Which I just have fair. to hope they're going to guide me. Maybe the right information will come up at the right time, but I have to move on. Yeah. Fair. It would drive her crazy to interpret all of them, especially the ones that impact her directly. And it's good when it can help the tower. <laughs> she does. Totally. Well, and, and the one dream that like she actually has of the Sean Chan attack coming is the one that no one listens to. Yeah, right. You know? So it's not like she doesn't try and warn everybody and try and use the dream. It's just like, that's just... So ridiculous, too, because a lot does the foretelling. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. so it's, like the pa- it's like the pattern really wanted Elida out of the picture. Almost. Yeah. She had to go. On and on they came.
that she sort of feverishly, desperately tried to understand. There was no rest in it, but it must be done. She would do what must be done. That super long paragraph. That's a Gwen in a nutshell. Yeah, that's so <laughs> true. Nutshell. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Jay. That was, that was really fun. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was great. talked about for a couple of years um but colin and i definitely we just weren't in the spot to do it and the rumors the show kept starting and stopping and then once it was real we were and the timing just felt right we we're like well let's do this and i mean we really started from scratch we didn't know really anything about the community um and we knew we didn't want to do a reread because we were a fan already of spoilers. <laughs> we love time to watch spoilers and other podcasts that, you know, there's so many people have a different take on it and you guys do it the best in my opinion. But like, <laughs> but I was like, yeah. You can I, come on anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I don't think we could do that. But we were all about the TV show and I work in production and my warder works in production and. Colin's a writer and so it just um you know felt like the right time and there was a lot to talk about and so yeah we're excited and obviously with the tv show actually coming out we've started YouTube and we're gonna start doing live content so that we can react in real time which is kind of what we've been waiting we never planned to have a podcast for this long without the tv <laughs> show I should say like so and it I was never the whole wanted... year of COVID that delayed everything by us we've all been sort of yeah we were ready we're and still then we just, ready we've been, we were still ready we're like I feel like we've been edging for a year like, <laughs> like... we're like sting of yeah <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I know, but I'm I'm so ready and I'm getting amped and uh, it's kind of good that we had a little bit of a break, maybe. <laughs> kind of like explore so, the community you know, more and like other angles and skills because you never know how much you don't know until you try to pick up a new skill and then you're like, oh, oh God. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And like videos new, you know, so that's something we'll be developing for YouTube. Uh, but yeah, it's been awesome. Yours is definitely one of those podcasts I'm always like, I'm going to listen to that. I swear I am. And then it's like, it's been six months again. <laughs> Thanks, Aradia. <laughs> I'm the Thanks worst. I'm the worst. Yours is on the top, Aradia, top of the list. You have, you have to stop bringing guests on and telling them you don't listen to their content. I like, just yeah. believe in serious honesty, okay? Just like when I don't – just don't expect me to know your content because I'm a bad person. <laughs> uh, what's, what's the line? I don't mean lie. Just don't bring it up. <laughs> oh yes, <man>. boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I, I we try to have fun. I think like the last two years without the TV show has allowed us to just play a lot and then figure out exactly what we want to do when we have a TV show, which was our purpose for being a race on Detra. So yeah. It was also a chance for the community to come together. I really feel like all the content creators were able to sort of 
get to know each other and communicate. And like, I was aware of a lot of the the content creators out there, but I hadn't gotten the chance yeah. to talk with them and meet them or you know have Zoom conversations with them. And now I feel like, I mean, partially because I've been having a bunch of guests on uh, from the community, but at least I feel like I've gotten the chance to to solidify the whole community uh, in my head, which I think is going to be really important when it blows up and starts growing immensely. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And and it's also just been, I mean, that has been one of the best parts of the pandemic sort of like yeah. side effect. I yeah, hate to say yeah. that, but, but yeah, it gave us breathing space to do that because mm-hmm. before it was like the community, the fandom and Twitter of time, but the creators connecting has been great. And so I feel like we have this own support system and community it'll be harder for the new people coming in (laughs) (laughs) no no full we're full (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're like a fraternity (laughs) sorority the band has all the members it needs we're good Uh, we're gonna need like a test like in the white tower (laughs) like for for you to be raised to and accepted (laughs) to allow you to try to start a project (laughs) we're gonna go from being super supportive to being like hardcore gatekeepers (laughs) absolutely absolutely if you were not part of this community before x date (laughs) get out no absolutely not you know we'll we'll have to accept even the older novices into the community oh for sure the yeah the kin oh yeah yeah they're bringing communities we didn't know existed because they were out sailing boats randomly like (laughs) the first time someone who hadn't read the books before the tv show came out finishes the books and corrects me on something that's gonna be an issue (laughs) i'd be like you're right I'm angry about it, but you're right. <laughs> Someone who at this point has never heard of the Wheel of Time is going to correct me about something on this podcast about the Wheel of Time. That's going to suck. So, I'm, yeah. We should probably make a prize. <laughs> you guys should do your own call-in show where new fans can call in and just ask a question about something they don't understand because they've just watched the TV show. <laughs> like, wow, I don't understand. And like, you guys would know all the answers. Well, well, at least a radio. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it <laughs> depends kidding. too on how they make changes to it. If they change right. a backstory, then my information might not work for that turning of bill that they're asking about. But I think world building, hopefully, it's pretty consistent. Yeah, that, one yeah. would hope. One would hope. It's like, yeah, no, actually, Layman didn't cut down the tree. That was over in like Saldea. Like, that would be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Moraine Saldean. Right. Yeah. It would just... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But there's also like this is how there's gonna be a lot of this is how it's in the books this is how it's in the show here's the difference here's where it went in the books based on this difference here's where I think it's gonna go in the show you know there's that sort of or like mechanical stuff like how does channeling work are there five powers or ten powers or one power like we'll be able to be like no there's five that's here's all this exposition that they cut out of the show (laughs) let me give it to you and just basic stuff like knowing about Malkir and Land's history and backstory and Mm -hmm. you know and and knowing the continents knowing the country continents knowing the countries the continent of brandland yes the continent of brandland. <laughs> we, won't, we won't know the continents because he didn't name any of them <laughs> Rafe, yes. fix it give us a continent name <laughs> God, i wonder i wonder if he's gonna do like a, a westeros or a westlands or like if they're gonna somehow oh, you know that is pick a, good a name question. for Just please leave west brandland. out of it just leave the word west <laughs> out it's so i know it's done yeah, are, are we going to see a flyover zooming map? Like, I mean, there's so no, many... No, they can't copy... Well, no, no, I mean, it can't be the the GOT map, but 
I mean, every it's interesting. A lot of networks have their own like style for show intros. You know, like HBO kind of has like a stylized thing that, um, and Netflix has their own thing. I, Amazon doesn't really yet because their content so like yeah, all, all over the place. place. So I have no idea, but I I hope they don't cheap out on it because it is really important and it, it does showcase the production value or like can showcase the production value of a show. So. It better not be cheesy. <laughs> I will rip it to shreds, pretty much. So. Yeah. And maps are hugely important in fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, I do feel like they should show us a map somehow in the show. Like, right. I think that's incredibly valid that the map that that everyone loves in big color, like, that needs to be. They just have to shown. roll with the wind thing rather than the spinning inverted planet thing. Rafe did say that he thought it was going to be an interesting take on the wind thing. Yeah, because it makes so much sense. The wind gives you so much opportunity for them to play with. Showing us the map, showing us the landscape, big panning shots over armies that are headed to meet each other in three months. Like, and there's a lot of ways to do it. It just doesn't have to be like a 3D map. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we don't have to do the like the gears and the things turning up. Like that was a very distinctive style. Like they're not going to do it like that. But yeah, but some sort of the wind flying over the map thing. Yeah. Yeah. We also don't know how much I'm I'm like thinking of this in Zelda terms, like how much of the world will be unlocked at the start of the show. <laughs> yeah, you no, know? for sure, for sure. Because certainly in the beginning of the books you really only get Camelin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then a little bit of the, the Feldara. But like you have this sort of very narrow path and then a dot. Right, because they just like fast travel through an alternate dimension for like a huge portion of the map. Which is great, but yeah, it does sort of limit your geography from a narrative perspective. Yeah, maybe the wind can take us to meet up with the black wind, and then <laughs> we just keep going from there. <laughs> then it's Machin Shin, just like going down the river. Oh, that'd be bad. <laughs> Machin Shin is out. That's the first change. <laughs> I would be surprised if the waves drop. That would present too many problems. That would, though. And we actually, I think we've seen a way gate, so that's probably not the case. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, we have, we have. It, uh, it's been a leak. It's been oh, leaked. okay. Yeah. I, I don't acknowledge the leaks. I try not to, but I, I'm seeing so many real-time communities that, like, I see them. I try not to, depending on the leak, like, I try not to promote them, but, like, at a certain point we have to acknowledge them. Right, yeah, once they're out there, it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's there. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have to acknowledge them because this is not a podcast about the show. Yeah. <laughs> Although, <laughs> exactly. when it comes out, I can't imagine we're not going to do episodes on it. Right. Well, it'd be hard to not. <laughs> it'd be hard to not. And you'll have to come talk to us about it. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm definitely like, I'm trying to be like, okay, you come on podcast now. And then. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going to end up doing, you know, like commentary while it's out. And then we're going to end up doing like a rewatch with like deep, deep dive, you know, or which I'm sure every Wheel of Time fan is going to watch it more than once. I can't wait. I mean, even if it was the worst thing ever, it would still be like my new Harry Potter. Like, I don't feel good. I think I want to watch all of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the number of times I watched Winter Dragon just because I thought that was the only thing we'd ever get, you know? Like, they're going to have to set the bar really low to make me not watch it. <laughs> oh, my God. I have to comment on this. I just rewatched um, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight with Billy Zane as the demon uh, called The Collector, and he was fantastic. It's, like, one of his first roles. And I, I texted Colin. I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I could actually accept him 
as Balsamata Ishmael. Because <laughs> he was so fantastic in Tales from the Crypt. I was like, and not Winter Dragon, obviously, but. Yeah. Well, I just don't want the taint of Winter Dragon to get no, on. No, I, I think we'd all prefer a fresh start. You want to cameo him in somewhere? Fine. You know, kill him off of the trollic. That'd be awesome, right? Whatever. Just make him yeah. a troll. Like, make, you know, or something like that. Make him be dark, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Winter I Dragon was a bit of an insult, and I have yeah. trouble not feeling insulted yeah. by it. For sure. And it's hard to then not carry those feelings over to Billy Zane. And it was a sneaky move. I mean, it was not a good faith thing. No, there so. was very little G. Much toe was earned. <laughs> yeah, there were no G in that, let's say. <laughs> and everyone should get a strapping. <laughs> yes. Everyone involved should get a strapping. Literally. Definitely. Yeah. I, the recut version was helpful. It was better. Mm-hmm. The dusty cut was amazing. Mm-hmm. The best that that could be. Yeah. They salvaged it way above what I thought it could be salvaged to. That turd was so shiny. Like, <laughs> I could see my reflection in that poop. You know, like... It was amazing. Editing is a skill, you know, and clearly he's got it, and clearly whoever had that... Uh, you know, I won't even say the person who edited that didn't have skill, but they spent zero time or effort. Also, they were taking a five-minute show and trying to stretch it to 30 minutes, so I can't really... Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah, go ahead. And the person who edited it was probably getting paid $5, <laughs> given, like, one day to do it, and had no context to the books, and was like, well, I think this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Dude, the you opening know, like... was a was a bad three-dimensional version of the logo someone pulled off the internet and like stretched to 3d <laughs> and threw it on there in like oh it was bad it was, it was so bad so bad uh, <laughs> i hope the wheel of time does so well that we get an animated series that that's like my goal. A nice ripoff yeah uh, go, go the way of the um no, like a good animated yeah. series yeah that's what i'm saying glow wars yeah you could do, like, other historic periods, like Trolloc Wars or Manetheran or something like that, and just be totally off. We were talking with Lesbian Nerdy about Sean Sean yesterday, um, and we were brainstorming our own spinoff about, uh, like, just focused on the Sean Sean when Luther Pendrag was there and how, like, crazy and shitty it was. <laughs> and I said I were, like, showing their worst colors pretty much. I was like that. That'd be a spinoff I would watch. Totally. Uh, oh, I I remember what I wanted to ask you. Uh, how's that Jeopardy episode editing going? <laughs> <laughs> Slowly, it will be. We're we're gonna finish it this weekend. Uh, so it should be out next week. So that's oh, exciting. Well, that. <laughs> yeah. Not that I. I'm sure if we did a poll and asked fans to guess who won. I bet they'd get it right. <laughs> I think everybody got it right before we played. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were like, let's put money down on somebody. And everyone's like, against yeah. who? Like, who's going to take that? It's like 10,000 to one odds. It's like betting against Matt. You don't do it. <laughs> you could have bet against the ho- like on the house, I guess. Like, I don't um, know. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the only possibility is that the questions were just so hard that Aradia couldn't get any of them right. I don't think there are questions that hard. They'd have to be phrased in a tricky way. They'd have yeah. to be like worded like the Finns would word it, so that Aradia <laughs> knows the right answer but is just thinking about it wrong. Or absurd <laughs> things like what's the fifth word on the tenth page in Crown of Swords? You know, right? Which like I do that. not have an Adidic yeah. memory, so that would be. <laughs> 
No. But yeah, sorry it's taken a oh, minute. No. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I just, I, uh, I'm i looking forward to seeing it. So I was like, I, well, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, wait, that hasn't come out. I've been harassing my warder, but he's been on like three projects. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We will switch to live soon, which is going to make it easier. But yesterday, actually, we had a five, or for me, it was 5 a.m. recording. Because we recorded with Lesby Nerdy. Oh, yeah. And she is in South Korea, so that was fun. <laughs> I saw her this morning on the Dusty Wheel with the yep. Milan news that came out. Oh, my gosh. I happened so to sexy. catch like, the first 15 minutes of that. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty happy about that land reveal. <laughs> that was a nice land reveal. Yeah. Midori was nice. The sword mm-hmm. was nice. The hair. The, the, the hair. hair. Mm-hmm. The, the actual planes of a face that actually looks stony and cold. Very okay with that. <laughs> I totally agree because, I mean, he is very pretty. So I had some natural concern if he could look stony, but he does. And still pretty, I mean. <laughs> so it's the land bun instead of the man bun? Now? I reject that. <laughs> I reject that so hard. <laughs> Thanks, MK. <laughs> Also news today that the uh, second season is being filmed directly after they finish filming first season. Oh. So they have at least that much commitment to pretty much, you know, announce that they are filming season two without the season one coming out. So that's, they mm-hmm. at least have that much confidence in what they're producing that they're like, yeah, just go ahead and film season two. It's fantastic. So we know at least we're getting two seasons. Yay. I- it's, <laughs> that's something, right? We know we'll have enough to at least sink our teeth into. I mean, if you do two, you have to do eight. That's <laughs> that's what I'm assuming. It's kind of how we started the podcast. Is like, well, if we do book one, we have to do all fourteen. So that's that's I can't stop. Can't stop. Nope. Nope. <laughs> fourteen se- fourteen seasons of the TV show. You think that seems just really extremely reasonable? Really slow it down for this section. Really like get into the dreams and the nice that would be... slow that... parts of the book. That would take probably twenty years. I don't even want to think that far in the future. <laughs> I would love to see a single episode just dedicated to Flicker, Flicker, Flicker. Ooh. They could do that as like a special. Like, I mean, not a Christmas special, but you know that kind of thing where it's like this entire like side quest thing. Like imply it in the main show and then have a whole separate episode where it's like, oh yeah, this is what was going on. And we'll mm-hmm. do a bunch of different ver- ver- variations on that. I mean, 10 out of 10 would pay extra for that. Definitely. I feel like it could be its own episode. It's just if the seasons are only eight episodes, I want more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, actually, that wouldn't be a terrible idea for a YouTube channel. Just have someone like come up with absurd ideas for Flicker, Flicker, Flicker and do little skits. That that could be a whole thing. Because you could take all the characters, you know, and put them in whatever situation you want. Humorous or ridiculous Mm -hmm. or uh, terrible. Anything you want, you know, so that that would be... (laughs) All right. Looney Theories YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. The Flicker Flicker YouTube channel. Yeah, well, you know, good thing you have so much spare time and no projects to stay focused on. Because no, no, Because you can nothing. get right to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally caught up on the editing and everything else that I'm working on right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I was working today on uh, Broken Earth, too, and thinking, like, oh, mm, I'm going to nice. be sending Seth more work. That's going to be great. <laughs> You know, with yesterday and today being recording, it's I have I have a hard time editing on the same days that we record, mm-hmm. just mm. because I get what overwhelmed, and I'm like, <laughs> wait, what chapter am I talking about again? So, uh, yeah, tomorrow will be a scramble to get the episode out, but that'll be fine. <laughs> 
that happens not infrequently. No, never. Never. <laughs> well, and you know, when we had a monthly time, I was actually doing a decent job of having a buffer, but now with only maybe two, three, two to three episodes of a buffer, it's harder to, mm-hmm. to build that lead, yeah. you know? We had a buffer, and then you went and spent it being distracted. How dare I? <laughs> having a life? God. Ugh. Stop that. Ridiculous. Really and let's be honest, it's not the life procrastination that's the problem. <laughs> as a professional procrastinator, this is true. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.